Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of a new series that I'm calling Continuity Cavalcade. Since I decided to transfer back to written reviews instead of podcast ones, I, I wanted to uh, hang on to the podcast uh, style that I developed uh, in order to do kind of a new series, uh, which I can also host on the A-list. And so um, this series then is going to be dealing with continuity. Uh, we're going to be exploring what continuity is. Uh, we're going to be exploring how it works in a variety of different stories and media. Uh, and uh, also just kind of questions of what is canon, what is non-canon, what is pseudo-canon, what is fanon. Um, just fun stuff like that. So uh, it's going to be fairly laid back, and um, yeah, we're, a lot of the episodes, I feel, um, are going to deal with uh, particularly complicated uh, questions that affect particular shows, um, with kind of the analysis of how that relates to continuity as a concept um, in general uh, being uh, sort of talked about at the end. Um, well, there, I also I also kind of just want to have episodes too, though, which are going to be um, basically just straight up analysis, where it's just instead of talking about examples, it's just using the examples to talk about the broader idea. And so, um, because continuity in our postmodern world has become very strange uh, in storytelling, and um, I love it. I love strangeness, and frankly, I love postmodernism. Although I recognize that in time it will um, find its exit, um, and so uh, basically I kind of wanted to start with one of those simpler episodes. So uh, rather than raise some big questions up front, uh, aside from just kind of addressing some of the terms I'll be using, um, we're going to be talking about the order of the Master's timeline from Doctor Who, and in the course of Doctor Who. Um, it's it's in the show's long history. Uh, the Master has had an extremely long timeline, which is very complicated and often self-contradictory. Um, so I'll be delving into that. Uh, but first, I want to talk about really just sort of like a lot of the terms that I brought up. So um, yeah, the title of the show is Continuity Cavalcade, so I should probably talk about what continuity is. Um, I mean, in a general sense, uh, as you can, as you probably know, without having to look at a dictionary, um, continuity is you know the uh, the momentum between a between two events in a sequence of events, and um, continuity has become sort of a fan term uh, it, to refer to um, stories that have gone on for particularly long periods of time or have experienced um multiple reboots uh or both <laughs> and um so uh, just like in in that sense it's it's um you know just some stories will just happen and it won't be clear how the previous story led into that one and so eventually um a nerd will start running the asylum uh and they will come up with a story between those two stories that explains the difference between them. And so, um, as is the case in religion, uh, we refer to canon is that which is assumed to happen in the current version of the thing that we are consuming. Um, that is canon. And so events that 
are related to that thing, but didn't actually happen in the main story then, are non-canon. So, for example, um, at DC Comics, um, they used reboots um, to create retroactive continuity or retcons. And so, um, in 1986, they did an event called Crisis on Infinite Earths, where all of the previous versions of all of their superhero characters were erased from time and effectively replaced with new ones who had different histories. And consequently, um, writers couldn't refer to, say, the story where Superman gets a lion's head or where Superman meets Hercules and Samson unless they did a story that introduced that as being part of the new character's history. Um, Because now all of the Silver Age adventures of Superman from the 60s before Crisis on Infinite Earths took place were non-canon, because a new canon had been created. Um, and that's what gets confusing, too, is that like a lot of these franchises, including um, both DC and Star Wars, have multiple iterations of their canon, all of which are valid. Like, that's the thing, is that, like... Nothing is stopping fan interpretation of these things, in case you were wondering that. Like, if you believe something is canon, it probably is. And you can come up with your own theories to kind of try to, like, squeeze stuff in. And sometimes the theories are ridiculous, and then suddenly, and then you either, you know, become an internet fanatic, or you realize the folly of your ways, um, or you just keep getting clever with it there's a lot of possibilities so um i probably managed to confuse you a lot more than i've actually enlightened or educated you in any way so um with that having been said i'm going to confuse you some more by talking about um you know an immortal alien that turns into different people when they die who can travel through time so um yeah uh (laughs) a bit of backstory then on doctor who Like most things regarding Doctor Who, um, continuity with Doctor Who is weird. Um, There is no canon. Even the BBC does not claim that there is any sort of definitive version of Doctor Who which must be accepted over all others, Um, except for the TV show, and even then, um, people have elaborate theories on how to uh, disregard the TV show, um, which can include things like, um, believing in the canonicity of non-canon specials in which the Doctor dies in his seventh incarnation, which cancels out the events of the 1996 TV movie where he becomes the eighth Doctor and all the entries following it, um, Doctor Who, consequently, some of some of the fan theories become truly strange, uh, which I hope to get into in a future episode someday. Um, the other, Doctor Nyar Lothotep. That's all I'm going to say. If you're a Doctor Who fan, you just shat yourself. But anyway, so, um, yeah, uh, Doctor Who has, again, has no canon. There's only stuff that is not intended to be part of the Doctor Who canon, and that's things like comic relief specials or commercials or stuff like that. Um, Other than that, it's pretty much all fair game. That having been said, I'm going to be ignoring a few different incarnations of the Master. Um, I am going to be ignoring um, the Master from the Unbound Audios, because he is intentionally from another universe. 
I'm going to be ignoring the um, Android Master from Scream of the Shalka because uh, Scream of the Shalka is one of the things that is not canon. Um, and that that may well be it. Oh, of course, the Master from Curse of Fatal Death, unfortunately. Um, but uh, And then there are several other Masters where I will discuss how valid I feel they are, although that's definitely much more subjective and ties in with the idea that the only canon in Doctor Who is Fanon. <laughs> there is the, the fans and the viewers and the consumers are the ones who control basically what parts of the Doctor Who story get to count for each of themselves. And I mean, that is true for ev- for basically any other thing, but like... Doctor Who fans definitely take it to a much more deliberate level, I feel. Um, And so, um, the Master, then, um, is, of course, a Time Lord. And they were born, or or perhaps loomed, on Gallifrey, um, around the same time as the Doctor, because um, they grew up to be childhood friends. Uh, The Master um, does have some... uh, hints at basically his first incarnation. Um, There is the appearance of the Child Master in the new series, specifically in the episodes that feature John Sim as the Master. Um, And this younger Master is, uh, like all other Time Lords, he was uh, made to gaze into the Untempered Schism. um, And uh, basically during that time, uh, so says New Who, um, the Master was infected with a signal from the future, the Time War, uh, which would cause him to develop a drumbeat in his head that would slowly drive him insane, and uh, but also serve as like a tracking target for the Time Lords that wanted to escape the Time War. Um, this, I'm, I'm go- that we're already starting on controversial grounds because here's the thing. The Master had a very long history before the concept of the drums was introduced, and there is no indication in the classic series, even in newer expanded media featuring classic incarnations of the Master, um, that um, the Master felt the drums before he was in his um, Derek Jacobi incarnation. Um, And so... um, I believe that it was true that because he was a Time Lord, the Master did gaze into the Untempered Schism as a child. However, I don't think that this was when he received the signal for the drums. And I'll get into that later. Um, Also on the topic of controversy, uh, Big Finish, who does the audio stories for Doctor Who, has detailed... um, what is supposed to be the first incarnation of the Master, uh, who appeared in a First Doctor audio, uh, The Destination Wars. And that version of the Master is... um, I agree with a lot of the people who thought that 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 version of the Master in that audio was underwhelming. Um, There's not a whole lot to really set up the character as the first Master, and there's not even really much to connect him to the masters that follow. Um, similarly, this is a personal beef, but um, 
has the actor who plays the first master or who played him in this singular story for first doctor adventures um based on his social media activity he is pretty racist and i don't really believe in embracing performers who are openly bigoted so i um don't really feel comfortable with this version of the master on top of uh the fact that he just doesn't really seem to fit into the doctor who story or the story of the master um so i honestly kind of <laughs> disregard that similarly there was another uh story from big finish called just called master um which features um uh, a flashback on behalf of the seventh doctor where when the doctor and the master were friends um there was a boy who was uh bullying the master and the doctor ended up fighting with the boy and killing him and in order to deal with what he had done um basically the doctor made a deal with death and the consequences of that led to the master becoming the master. Um, and so later down the line, then um, the seventh doctor would have to resume the deal with death uh, to basically determine the master's fate after he had been given time to live as a human, um, in his, albeit in his uh, disfigured incarnation. Uh, and, once that time had expired, the master was supposed to die, but instead um, he, he forgot his human life and he became the master again. Uh, so, I don't know, I, master is just kind of a, an overly... It's one of those Doctor Who stories which is, I feel, overly metaphorical. Um, it does not seem to depict events that are meant to be taken overly seriously, because it is very dreamlike and fits strangely into um the seventh doctor's audio line um so uh no notably that audio does feature a mention of the time lord entity known as zagreus and so um it's possible that elements of the story were influenced by um the time alterations that took place in the audio story zagreus um so um in short, I agree with very little of the Master's early history. I don't think he received the drums as a child. I don't think that James Dreyfus's incarnation um, reflects a canon part of the character's life. And I don't think that the Doctor made a deal with death in order to um, turn the Master into the Master. Uh, the, next in, the next point in the Master's life that we can really talk about is a second Doctor novel called The Dark Path. Um, and in this, the Master appears as a fundamentally good person under the name of Koshay, um, which is a reference to the Russian myth of Koshay the Deathless, uh, who um, basically hid away his soul so that he could become immortal. And um, during the course of this story, um, Koshay ends up befriending a woman who he doesn't know is a Time Lord. And uh, she has been sent from the Time Lords to spy on him because the Time Lords don't trust Koshay. Um, and so um, when his companion apparently dies, the Master is begrieved, 
and he begins to become a much more destructive figure, especially when he finds out that his companion didn't actually die, she just regenerated, and that she was actually a Time Lord this whole time. And so, um, basically, the Master ended up um, being driven completely into madness, and uh, was eventually imprisoned inside a black hole. Uh, following this, he was able to escape, and this is where his TV appearances began. Um, the Master first appeared in the serial uh, Terror of the Autons with the third Doctor, uh, when the Doctor was stranded on Earth due to, basically, the, his uh, violation of the interference laws among the Time Lords as the first and second Doctor. And um, so, yeah, this was the, ma the, the incarnation played by Roger Delgado, um, and he um, is noticeably a much more relaxed incarnation of the Master than his older selves. Um, the Master is decidedly less lethal in this incarnation, um, but he is still totally willing to shrink people to death and crush them to death with killer chairs and all that fun stuff. Um, the next point that we see the Master in the TV series is when he appears as the disfigured incarnation of the, the fourth Doctor serial, The Deadly Assassin, um, where he is played by Peter Pratt, um, although later the role would be played in all of its appearances in uh, audio and TV by Joffrey Beavers. Um, and so um, it's unclear how the Master got from his Delgado incarnation to his Crispy incarnation. Um, uh, there were two possibilities that were presented. There was a novel called Legacy of the Daleks, which featured the Master in his Delgado incarnation, um, killing Susan's husband, David, uh, in the 22nd century, where she had um, ended up after traveling with the Doctor. And so um, Susan ended up lashing out at the Master, and an ensuing accident caused his Delgado incarnation to become severely burned, and he was stranded on the planet Terceris, which led into the events of um, the Deadly Assassin. Um, but the version that I feel is a lot more uh, respectful to the fact that um, the Beaver's Master is clearly a separate incarnation from Delgado uh, comes from the audio story The Two Masters, which was at the end of a trilogy that Big Finish did uh, concerning both the Crispy Master, as I'm just going to call him, uh, and uh, the version of the Master played by Alex McQueen, uh, who had starred in a number of 7th and 8th Doctor audios, also with Big Finish. And um, so, in that, it was revealed that, um, indeed, the... Joffrey Beaver's master was um, a separate incarnation who probably did resemble a younger Joffrey Beaver's, and he was um, disfigured by his future self in a rather complex plot that I will not try to explain here. Um, and so, uh, at some point, the Delgado incarnation had regenerated into the Beaver's incarnation, and there's a comic story with the Twelfth Doctor where he meets the Delgado Master, which ends with the Master regenerating. And I like to think that that's the story that um, basically is the end of the Delgado Master. Uh, and it just it leads into uh, the beginning of the Beaver's Master, who eventually uh, gets crispified. Um, 
So the Crispy Master ended up fighting uh, the fourth Doctor primarily uh, on several occasions um, before he eventually ended up on the planet Trocken, uh, where he ended up uh, manipulating the local politics. And eventually he was able to steal energy off of a power the Rock Knights had called the Source, and this allowed him to steal the body of the Keeper of Trocken, um, who was a man named Tremus, uh, who was the father of the Doctor's companion, Nyssa. Um, and in his Tremus body, the Master would uh, fight the Doctor for many of his incarnations, um, indeed, basically for the rest of the classic series. Um, but the opening of the 1996 Doctor Who movie um, kind of messes with um, the fate of the Master as we last saw him on TV, because the last story to feature the Master in Tremus's body um, is uh, Survival, which is the last serial of the entire show. And um, at the end of Survival, the Master has been infected with a virus which is slowly turning him into a feral cat person. <laughs> um, and so uh, it's unclear if like later appearances of the master played by Anthony Ainley, um, if he is um, the master before he was infected with the cheetah virus, if he somehow got a cure for it, or if something else happened entirely. And so there are ultimately two fates for the Master that can't be reconciled. Um, the first basically suggests that um, the Master was infected with the cheetah virus as per the events of survival. Um, however, he somehow managed to either hide or cure the virus uh, and escaped Cheetah World uh, to um, build a psychic construct called the Determinant, uh, which he used to trap the first seven Doctors. Uh, this was um, basically the events of the video game Destiny of the Doctors, uh, which features Anthony Inley uh, reprising his role uh, in live action of the Master. Um, so, um, during that time, it's, it's likely that the Master first gained his feud uh, with the Daleks that would result in him being imprisoned on Scarrow, during the events of the Doctor Who movie, um, and but eventually, however, like at least after the events of Destiny of the of, of the Doctors, um, the Master was able to escape, where he was where he ended up receiving regenerations from a an alien race called the Zoon, um, which basically um, yeah they gave him a, a new regeneration cycle, and then the Doctor's companion Ace ended up shooting and killing him. Uh, which resulted in him regenerating off the Ainley body uh, to turn into um, a version that is described as looking like Basil Rathbone, a description which people have pointed out is very similar to the actor who very briefly played the Master uh, at the beginning of the TV movie during the Scarrow scenes, uh, who was Gordon Tipple. Um, and as seen in the Seventh Doctor book, um, Happy Endings, uh, the master is um not is still not immune to the effects of degeneration um he's his his zoon body begins to break down and he apparently is unable to regenerate that damage away so um that is perhaps the version of the master then that we see on scarrow at the beginning of doctor who because that is the version that would resemble actor gordon tipple 
And I know it's extremely pedantic to go out of my way to try to include Gordon Tipple's master as an incarnation of the character, but Tipple originally had a larger role as the master in the movie. Um, there are actually uh, shots of him appearing in makeup as a specific incarnation of the master, and he also originally recorded voiceover lines for the movie's introduction, um, although admittedly his Canadian accent uh, made the movie a bit too silly for um, a movie based off a show where people are usually Brits. So uh, I just like to think that Gordon Tipple is his own master and uh, that he was the master who was on Scarrow at the beginning of the movie. Uh, that having been said, then, there is a version of the master who cannot fit into the timeline of that sequence of events um, because Big Finish's version of things has um, the Master apparently escape and whether or not he was cured of the Cheetah virus, um, he escaped Cheetah World and he ended up um, coming in contact with an entity known as the Warp Core and this entity ended up stripping away the Ainley body because it essentially functioned as like a layer over his crispified 13th incarnation, which was unable to regenerate. And so um, the Master is then left in his Joffrey Beaver's incarnation, which is where the events of Master take place. Um, and uh, it is possible during this time that in an effort to escape his damaged body, the Master began studying the creatures known as Deathworm Morphants, which apparently lived on Scarrow, um, as he had heard that uh, one could transfer their consciousness into them, and therefore uh, use the worms uh, as a host body. Uh, or at, at least it could form a uh, form of substance that could escape from the body if the body was killed. Um, and so, in the form of a deathworm morphant, then, I suspect that he stole the body of the Tipple Master. And my explanation as to how this happened comes from one of the Seventh Doctor books, where the Doctor's companion Chris Quedge encounters the Master's severed head, but remarks that recently there have been cloners who have been creating duplicates of the Master. So what I think is is that the real Master was the one who was stripped of his Ainley body and was turned back into his 13th incarnation, um, as played by Joffrey Beavers, and I think then that he was cloned to create a version which was the version that was treated by the Zune and gained the ability to regenerate, who became the eventually decaying Gordon Tipple slash Basil Rathbone incarnation. Um, and so the Master likely would have viewed the clone as a prime opportunity for himself, as he would have wanted to steal a body that is very similar to the one that he originally had, and this one was a Time Lord body that was technically his own genetic material. So that's my theory as to how the Master had a ti experienced a timeline split uh, while also effectively being the same person, uh, because he eventually took over his own body to become the Tipple Master. Um, it was that at that point then that uh, between his... Um, basically because of his feud with the Daleks as per the events of Destiny of the Daleks, uh, the Master was um, handed over to the Daleks as part of a treaty uh, to mitigate the time war 
uh, because that was beginning at this point, and the Time War had been brewing ever since the Fourth Doctor went back in time to prevent the creation of the Daleks. So, um, yeah, the Master was basically offered as a treaty prize by uh, President Romana of Gallifrey, and the Master was sentenced to death by the Daleks. Um, but before he died, the Master made a request that the Doctor go to Scarrow and retrieve his remains, um, and basically return them to Gallifrey. Uh, and as, of course, uh, we saw in the TV movie, this was part of the Master's plot to take over the TARDIS and kill the Doctor. Uh, the Doctor ended up crashing on Earth in San Francisco in 1999, uh, where he was shot by street thugs, which led to the um, unnecessary heart surgery that was ultimately the cause of his regeneration. So the Master did actually kill the Doctor this time around. Um, although technically, Grace Holloway had a role in it as well. Um, but at that point, the Master then uh, was living in his death were morphant form, um, which he had uh, transferred his essence into at some point. And so um, the, the Snake Master uh, ended up uh, finding a paramedic named Bruce and took over his body, and he became the version of the Master who was seen in um, the TV movie. Um, and it's interesting to note that um, the, the, the Bruce Master, um, as played by Eric Roberts, is... Um, uh, he starts decaying um, as a result of the Master possessing him, and... Uh, given what happens in a story that I'm about to talk about, the Big Finish audio story, Mastermind, um, it seems likely that the Roberts Master was in the process of transforming again into the disfigured 13th Master. Um, evidently, there was something wrong with the Deathworm Morphant process, and so um, eventually the Master would just end up becoming his beaver's incarnation again, even though he continued to steal bodies. Um, at the end of the TV movie, the Master is thrown into um, the Eye of Harmony, which creates another gap in the visual media, because uh, next time we see the Master, he shows up as Derek Jacobi, and it's very clear that um, much has happened before the Time War for the Master. Um, so... Um, there are several indications of what happened uh, to the Master after he was trapped in the Eye of Harmony. He was somehow able to leave a crystalline structure on the surface of the Eye of Harmony in the Doctor's TARDIS, which managed to strip away the Doctor's memories, and it forced him to go on a trip to discover his previous incarnations to regain his memory. Um, while in his eighth incarnation, the Doctor would also experience the Master speaking to him from the depths of the TARDIS, and um, basically he would either offer advice or he would just threaten him. Um, eventually, the Master did manage to escape the Eye of Harmony in some sort of energy form, uh, or possibly as a Deathworm Morphant, and there he ended up taking over a priest who, um, as per the comic story The Glorious Dead, ended up fighting the Eighth Doctor and his companions before uh, being um, destroyed and apparently erased, or sent away somewhere else. And um, indeed, he was sent away somewhere else. He, he survived the events of The Glorious Dead to um, 
be thrown back into the Eye of Harmony. Uh, and this is where um, a story called Prologue takes place. Um, this story features the master uh, taking over the body of a man named Sir George Steer uh, in an attempt to basically kill a man uh, who had importance to the Doctor's timeline. And killing that man uh, would unravel the Doctor's timeline and destroy him. Um, however, the Doctor and several people in the area were able to um, stop the Master, although he ended up taking the body of a man named Richard and uh, was able to escape. So the Master was stranded in 1906, and he decided to travel to America in order to hide until he could potentially reform himself. Um, he ended up crossing to America on the Titanic, uh, and because he wasn't aware of what the Titanic was. Um, and he ended up becoming a gangster by the name of Don Maestro. Previously, his host had conceived a son, uh, and so um, eventually he took over that child uh, when he was a grown man and uh, basically intended to keep possessing his own descendants over and over again to keep himself alive forever. Um, but also during this time, he was continuing to degenerate back into his beaver's incarnation, regardless of what body he was in. And he also um, began experiencing positive feelings associated with being human, to the point where he started to forget his Time Lord nature. Um, but eventually, uh, in, one of, in, in, in one of these stolen bodies, the Master was uh, captured by a unit and he was taken to one of their vaults, um, where he was basically, he was forced to be comatose um, for decades at a time, or he would risk expending the remaining life energy in the body he currently possessed. Um, so, a pair of unit workers by the name of Ruth Matheson and Charlie Sado ended up interviewing the Master, as seen in the audio story Mastermind, and he used that opportunity to hypnotize them and escape from the vault, uh, which also contained his TARDIS. So, um, at that point, the Master's next appearance is as a um, the bald incarnation played by Alex McQueen. Um, so, at some point, evidently, the Master, in a degenerated stolen body, um, was rescued from death uh, by Narvin of Gallifrey to fight in the Time War. Um, but the Master ended up going rogue. Um, during this time, I believe it's possible that if you choose to embrace the Eighth Doctor Adventures series, and also the theory then that um, the character in that series of the War King... Um, is the Master. This is probably the time when the Master fought in the conflict known as the War, not to be confused with the Time War, um, where he became President of Gallifrey uh, and became the War King. Around this time, the Master also showed up um, as a younger man who had a rosette on his lapel. Um, so he became no just known as the Man with the Rosette, who was intended in the Eighth Doctor Adventures to be the Master. Um, but regardless, at some point after regaining regenerations, the Master, um, took on the form of Alex McQueen, and one of his early, um, adventures essentially involved him going back in time 
disfiguring his younger self, again, as part of a complicated plot, which I'm not going to get into here. Um, he was responsible for the disfiguration that was still affecting him even in his previous incarnation. Um, so this version of the Master fought against the 7th and 8th Doctors for a good amount of time. And um, at, at some point, the Time War ended up happening. Um, and presumably, at least, uh, we may get a fuller story at some point from Big Finish uh, depicting the fate of the McQueen Master. But at some point, the McQueen Master was killed, and I do believe it was during the Time War. Um, there are 11th Doctor comics, then, which show a version of the Master who appears as a child. Um, and here is where I introduce a fan theory. This theory comes from Tumblr user Third Doctor, who has some very interesting headcanons about the Master. Um, and their theory is that the child incarnation of the 11th Doctor comics is the same younger Master that we see in the TV series during the uh, Untempered Schism sequences. So, therefore, this is when the Master received the drums. At some point, the McQueen Master was captured by the Time Lords, him or the current version of the Master, and he was forcibly regenerated into the body of a child, and then was reconditioned through classical Gallifrey education, which included gazing into the Untempered Schism. And at that point it's entirely possible that Rassilon had a role in this re-education of the Master, and therefore was able to set up his plan of potentially, if he needed to, sending a signal back in time for the Master to serve as a carrier. So, um, basically then, this child incarnation is depicted in the comics as being um, killed during the Time War as well, and uh, this is when the Master regenerates into... Um, the Professor Yana incarnation, played by um, Derek Jacobi. Um, and so, this version of the Master then had a variety of adventures, um, as seen in the new War Master audios from Big Finish. Um, and, uh, but in time, he decided that he was going to be destroyed by the Time War, so he wanted to run from it. So, he ended up disguising himself as a human, using a chameleon arch and uh, ended up in the far future, where the events of the 10th Doctor episode, Utopia, ended up happening. And, of course, during the, that time, the Master um, ended up regaining his memories of, the ma of, of being a Time Lord and the Master, and he, um, he began to go on a destructive rampage until his lab assistant shot and killed him. Um, and so... That incarnation it regenerated into the version played by John Sim, who stole the Doctor's TARDIS to go to 21st century England, where he became Harold Saxon, uh, Britain's Prime Minister. Uh, the Doctor and Martha were able to defeat that, uh, and the Master apparently died by refusing to regenerate, but actually his essence had transferred itself into his wife Lucy Saxon's ring, and a cult dedicated to the Master was able to use some sort of unknown process to resurrect him from that ring. Um, the resultant body, though, was extremely unstable, and um, he had to 
Now we're getting into end of time territory here, and I I do not like end of time. End of time is actually one of my least favorite Doctor Who episodes ever made, and so I I have difficulty with um, the second to last story of the Sim Master, uh, which is where he becomes a super powered cannibal uh, who turns every human on the planet into himself because the matrix was a film series and uh then apparently dies having been sucked back into the time war um however of course the master survived the time war um the time lords apparently were able to cure him of both the drums which had driven him mad and also um of the biological instabilities that turned him into a superpowered cannibal um so this version of the master uh he was the same as as the sim master of course but he came out of gallifrey decidedly calmer and um more calculating than he had been before and uh he ended up being trapped on a mondan spacecraft which had a which was trapped near a black hole um, and because of the black hole, there was time dilation aboard the ship, so that uh, the lower levels of the ship went through time significantly faster than the upper levels. And so the Master spent a considerable amount of time ruling the cities that had developed in the lower parts of the um, ship. And eventually he began conceiving a plan to turn the members of the ship into Cybermen. Um, this led into a confrontation with the Twelfth Doctor, Bill, Nardole, and the Master's own future self, uh, wherein the Master learned of his future to at where he regenerated into a woman. Um, eventually, his future self ended up betraying him uh, and fatally injured him, which commenced the regeneration process, but he responded by killing his future self in a way that she apparently was unable to regenerate. Shortly thereafter, the Master transformed into the person who had killed him and began her campaign against the Twelfth Doctor, uh, which eventually culminated in joining him aboard a Mondan spacecraft where she, met up with her, where she met up with her younger self, created an army of Cybermen, and then killed her younger self only to be killed by him. I kind of rushed all of that New Who stuff, but that's just because, for now... Uh, the Master's timeline in the new series appears to be pretty straightforward. It's pretty much Derek Jacoby to John Sim to uh, Michelle Gomez as Missy. And um, it doesn't require figuring out the um, terrifying horrors of what was Doctor Who during the wilderness years between... Um, 1989 and 1996, and then 1996 and 2005. Um, the fact that I had to resort to a fan theory that involves cloning of all things indicates that uh, the Master's audio timeline following uh, the events of the classic series and the TV movie does not match up with... Um, what was established in the books and other media that arose in that time. Um, so, ultimately, the Master is confusing, but there is definitely an order to their incarnations. Um, 
albeit some of those incarnations exist at the same time. Uh, and ultimately, um, you know, like I said, you can take any of this in and out of canon as you want. If you really enjoyed the Destination Wars and you're willing to ignore that um, James Dreyfus is a racist, uh, then you can probably incorporate him into your version of things. I have no idea if this version of the Master is ever intended to return. I guess we'll just have to see what Big Finish has for us in the future. Uh, similarly, some of the details of the events surrounding the TV movie may change, as at the time of this recording, there is an audio story coming out which features Eric Roberts reprising his role of the movie Master. So, uh, I think it's a pretty nice time to uh, bring this to a close, um, with only like a brief comment dedicated to um, just how interesting it is to have a show like Doctor Who, where it goes off the air for a significant period of time, but is continued only for the show to be resurrected years later, and then have to deal with finding a balance between all of the new stuff that people worked extremely hard on in the interim versus all the stuff that people are working really hard on on TV, which is more likely to find a broader audience anyway. Um, I, I have a very, I have a very broad definition of Doctor Who canon for myself. Um, there are very few stories that I like to exclude, uh, but as I have pointed out, Many of the early stories involving the Master, I feel, are inappropriate for the character, and I'm still awaiting what I feel would be a Master origin story or a first Master story that would um, live up to my expectations before I reshape my own personal canon. Um, therefore, in my mind, the Master has never really had a backstory. He may have been a fairly nice Time Lord who was turned evil by circumstance, um, but most of the other parts of his early life I choose not to believe. Uh, so, um, yeah, that is kind of basically what we're going to be doing for this show. Um, the ideas that I have so far largely just relate to those more specific instance episodes, um, rather than the episodes where I just talk about, um, you know, aspects of continuity and metafiction that have... Um, that are worth particular interest. So that's what I've gotten on the master. Um, it's going to be completely out of date in five years. So if you're listening to this in 2024, sorry. Until we meet again. <laughs>